sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome back to the program today, you guys. Thank you so much for being with us here at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's my pleasure to be with you. And this hour on the show, we're going to be chatting with Lowell Ponte. He is a former think tank futurist and retired roving editor at Reader's Digest. He's going to be chatting us to talk about Elizabeth Warren joining the presidential warpath. And I tell you what, it's going to be something pretty interesting if 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 the Democrats field remains as it currently is um, with with basically nothing but radicals, how do they convince Americans to vote for that? It has to be that they demonize the president. It has to be that they bring him down through impeachment. And I also think that's why we haven't seen anything from RBG, because they're holding on because they think they can just keep her in that seat, warming it until they can impeach President Trump. And then they can maybe get a pick that would be more palatable to, to them. And I don't know why they think they would be able to get that from, uh, you know, uh, Vice President Pence. But who knows what they actually have planned for the whole for the whole deal. Uh, so we're going to be chatting with Lowell Ponte. And I know I'm really disappointed. I'm, I'm going to read the rest of what is going on with the the bill that the Democrats came up with. I can't believe Republicans were involved in this negotiation. It doesn't seem like the Republicans got anything out, out of the, the whole thing. I'm going to read a list of everything that's wrong with this, this thing. First, I want you to listen to uh, Lindsey Graham. Senator Graham says we need to take the border deal as a down payment to build the wall and then declare the national emergency. But if he signs this bill, there's a whole bunch of stuff that he could do before that he won't be able to do. They're basically rolling back some of the things that the, the president is currently able to do. They're walling off areas of the border that would essentially be ne you'd never be able to to secure them. They're basically saying these have to remain open. It's unbelievable, but that's what they're doing. It's number five. In last year's appropriation bill, Section 284, I think, allows the president to spend up to $880 million to erect barriers for their drug corridors. That's a pot mm -hmm. of money. Mm -hmm. The bill also allows to move $4 billion around in the defense budget at the discretion of the president and the secretary. When you add all that up, it's pretty much what he needs. So why should he take this deal? Um, the 1.375 can be used to build barriers. Nancy Pelosi said not a dollar for barriers right. or wall. He's going to get almost four, uh, uh, you know. Uh, 1.375. Yeah, he's going to get a lot more than a dollar. He's going to get money for more judges. Nobody talks about that. There yeah. is no limit on bed space like I was worried about. So take this as a down payment. Go into the uh, defense bill and move money around like Congress allowed you to do last year and build this wall. 5.7 billion is what he wants. The difference between 1.375, find on your own, declare a national emergency cause it is and move the money around and secure this border. So what are we talking about here? Um, he says to go ahead and sign this bill, then do the national emergency, which we all know, even though Congress lacks standing to declare anything or to sue a, against a national emergency, there's a judge out there who will ignore that because they're, they already have this figured out. That's, that is the whole point of this. 
I almost feel like I know the air traffic controllers were talking about walking and the, the TSA agents weren't there, but the president should have brought in private contractors to keep the airports open and he should have left the government closed until Nancy Pelosi blinked and she didn't. And now this deal is worse than the one that they had in December. And don't take it from me. This is the list from Ryan James Gadurski. Uh, he's with another organization. This is over at Conservative Review. So the bill secures more than $3.1 billion in foreign health services, more than twice the amount that's allocated for the wall. That money is actually allocated $3,117,450,000 U.S. dollars would be allocated to, get this now, the United States Agency for International Development, USAID. That money would go there and it would have to remain available until September 30th of 2020. In other words, just before the president is <laughs> either reelected or someone else takes his place. That money would go to USAID, which is notorious for just sending money to despots in foreign countries. It doesn't help the people who are there. Um, DHS cannot increase border crossing fees. So one, one of the things that we do to deter immigration is we increase the fee to cross the border. Can't do that anymore. It has to stay the same. Border wall construction would only be allowed in the Rio Grande Valley section, $415 million for humanitarian aid, $77 million for opioid equipment, 1,200 new customs and border patrol agents. The bill does expand catch and release by reducing the number of border beds from 49,060 to 40,520. So fewer beds to house the criminals. We talked about this. This is, it's actually more than 9,000 because they're already at, I think they said 47,000 beds are being used. So they're over the number that they're actually allocated because there are so many people, criminals, who are in the country that they've got to deport. So they're going to have to reduce by 18,000. Whatever number they say they're reducing by, you multiply that times two at a minimum. But we're talking about them already being at 417, I think they said. Or, uh, sorry, they're at 47,000. Right now, the max is 49,060. Unbelievable. No funding for additional enforcement and removal field personnel. No more new ICE agents to deport people who are already here illegally. Expands the alternatives to detention program from 82,000 to 100,000. So that means people, in, instead of being housed in family units at the border, they get moved into the interior of the country, which means they're staying here forever. $40 million for additional ICE staff dedicated to overall ATD case management, particularly for asylum seekers. So you don't get new ICE agents, but you do get new people who would work at ICE to help illegal aliens settle in a non-detention center in the country. They basically find them a home to go to so that they can stay here. The bill gives $1 billion to the Smithsonian Institute. That's just pork added in. $3.4 billion in refugee assistance, which is $74 million more than was provided for last year. $4.4 billion for international disaster assistance, $100 million more than last year. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but we have quite a few disasters here in this country. Quite a few times that the president said, oh, my goodness, look at that storm. Look at, that, look at the amount of snow that's fallen there. Look at the number of lines that are down for power lines down for ice and everything. That's a national emergency or disaster declaration. I'm sorry. He says that's a disaster declaration. And then that means federal funds are available to go to those states to help them dig out of whatever it is, hurricane, you know, windstorm, whatever. We're also giving $4.4 billion to other foreign countries so they can fix their disasters. Why are we responsible for that? 
3.4 billion in refugee assistance. I, I, I said that, but I just have to stress it again because why are we doing that? Also, the bill does not eliminate any foundations that Trump wanted to get rid of. President Trump requested that we eliminate the Asia Foundation, the U.S. African Development Foundation, the Inter-American Foundation, and the U.S. Trade and Development Agency. These are all shills for bringing refugees here. And he wanted them eliminated, and they're still there. Israel, Ukraine, and Jordan receive $5.3 billion. Still more than what the president's getting for the wall. So there's amnesty, catch and release is expanded, more money for foreign aid than there is for a wall, and the fence funding that is included is severely limited. This is absolutely unconscionable. They, I, they want to take the US, UAC statute, which provides refugee status for minors who are victims of a severe form of trafficking and have no relatives in the country. So this, the, the government is basically saying, you know, if the relatives pay to traffic you into the country and you have no one here, you have to basically reunite their families with them as refugees. So all you have to do, if you want to live in America, according to this new bill, you pay a drug mule to send your kid into America. And then after this bill is signed, you'll be able to then reach out and say, I need to be reunited with my child. And America will have to reunite you with your kid here in America as a refugee, bypassing our immigration statutes, bypassing your need to live here for five years, work, learn English, learn the Constitution, pass a citizenship test, and then apply for citizenship and then get it and pay the fees. You get to bypass all of that. All you have to do is get a drug mule to get your kid into America. Then you can be reunited with them. You would be a refugee. Your child's already here as an unaccompanied minor. And now you're all Americans. This is what the Democrats have given to us. The bill actually rewards family members who are breaking in. And it empowers the drug cartels to not only treat kids like, you know, suitcases just get it in there just put 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 the kid inside america but it shields the kids and the people who are doing this from deportation now i saw emails from uh ali pack that were just scathing about this bill um and i was kind of thinking you know they're 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 hardline on immigration i'm hardline but they make me look like a, a cream puff but they're right. And everybody's worried about the precedent that's set by the president declaring an emergency declaration. But no one is talking to him about, you know, that it was the thing that Cassie and I were discussing yesterday. And I just, I, it's kind of shocking that that's what's going on. And so I, I keep I keep looking and I keep seeing I'm like, OK, when is someone going to talk about that option? Um, the option of just using th these drug cartels are criminal organizations. Yes, but they're also practicing a form of terrorism the way they're killing Americans. Why wouldn't he just declare them terrorist organizations and then he wouldn't have to go through Congress at all? So I don't understand why he's not doing it that way. I don't. Um, and so the foreign aid, 
the I mean, I'm trying to find something in this that's good. Did 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 the Republicans get anything? They claim that the Republicans got something. What did they get? So we can't possibly know all of the details of a 1,169 page bill. We can't, we can't possibly have taken um, the time to have analyzed that. Even like I was talking about last hour with a hundred people in the White House going through and summarizing, you know, everybody takes a certain number of pages and they, they read it and they summarize it and, you know, they put the highlights in there and then you can read that instead of the thousand pages. Even with that, we have a bigger problem here and that is that the current process that we are utilizing for authorizing funds in the United States enables the Democrats to hold the American people hostage and force through bills that are Actually, a lot of these provisions in here go against standing law. So they're going to pass a bill that has provisions in it that create laws that go against laws we already have, which always works in their favor because then they just take it to a court and the court will say, well, I find your thing, which was existing law before, unconstitutional. This is what's constitutional because this is the law right now. And when you say, well, that law contravenes this previous law, but that's not what we found. And then that court enables whoever it is, whatever Democrat or whatever, to do this. And, and as a side note, I don't know how anybody who votes for the Democrats, how you can listen to this and not be utterly flabbergasted by it, how you can hear that this is what's happening and this is what Democrats are doing, anything to save illegal immigration. How can you stomach it? How can that not just enrage you and make you want to never have anything to do with them again? So this is less wall than the Democrats originally agreed to. I mean, I, I have to hammer home these points because this is the truth of what's going on here. Trump originally demanded $25 billion. He negotiated himself down to $5.6. Democrats balked and agreed to $1.6. This bill calls it a day at $1.375. No concrete walls of any kind. No ability to adapt. Unbelievable. All right, when we get back, we'll have Lowell Ponte with us. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com or you can hit the subscribe button. Also, StacyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram. Go to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com for the podcasts. We'll be right back with more. Here's Walker Wildman for Redeem Clean Laundry Products. Not only do you get a great product and you get to obviously clean your clothes, get the stains out and use a multi-surface cleaner to clean your countertops and use the dryer sheets. You're doing all of this and the money's going to support the work of American Family Association. Redeem Clean Laundry Products were developed by AFA supporters Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan to assist in funding the mission of the American Family Association. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made right here in the United States. The great thing about Redeem Clean is not only is the product great, but it goes to support a great cause, and that is the work of American Family Association. 
for clean laundry and a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Visit redeemclean.afastore.net. Hello, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker, and this is Daily Time in the Word. It's our goal to help you better understand the great blessing of spending time in God's Word every single day. The book of Genesis begins with these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verses 1-3, through Genesis chapter 1. The book of Genesis is the book whereby the Lord introduces His book, the Bible, the Word of God, to us, the written Word of God. It's a powerful book with many important insights. Genesis has 50 chapters with four main events and four main individuals or characters. The four main events are creation, flood, the fall, and the scattering of nations. The four key characters are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And it has many insights that help us to better understand the truths of all of the Word of God. It also introduces us to the need for why we need a Savior I would encourage and challenge you on a regular basis, you and each member of your family, to read the book of Genesis on a regular basis. It reminds us, amongst other things, about the bigness of God as you look at the story of creation, but also as you look at God's sovereignty over his people and over the nation of Israel and over the world as well. Father, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful gift of the book, the whole book, the Bible, and thank you for the unique book of the book of Genesis. Help us to read it on a regular basis and help us to allow it to minister to our mind, body, and spirit according to your perfect will. Thank you for this wonderful book in your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here today on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thanks for making our network your home on the radio. We appreciate that. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Lowell Ponte, a former think tank futurist and retired roving editor at Reader's Digest. He has written articles that have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and other major publications. Lowell, thank you for joining the show today. Stacy, always wonderful to be back with you. So I'm excited to hear, well, I don't know. Should I be excited to hear you talk about Elizabeth Warren wanting, running? She seems like the perfect candidate because Trump likes to make fun of her, but a lot of people take her seriously. Uh, well, she's 69 years old. She is a veteran politician and political manipulator. What's interesting about Elizabeth Warren today, though, is unlike other Democrats who wear blackface, she wears red face. She, by imitating, by pretending to be a Native American when she really wasn't, gathered millions of dollars, much of it from Harvard University, holding a professor's seat there that was set aside for a genuine Native American, an American Indian, to occupy. She took that away from Native Americans, and she's never offered to give back even a penny of the money she took. In the meanwhile, she has just joined uh, one of the new socialist members, by the way, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is exactly 40 years younger than Elizabeth Warren. 
Uh, but that does not keep Elizabeth Warren from trying to capture her young ideas. She signed on immediately to the idea of the Green New Deal. Even though it's a rather strange idea, I'm glad the Republicans are having the Senate vote, making everyone say whether they're for it or against it, because it claims it would replace airplanes with high-speed railroads, it would banish most cars, it would outlaw fossil fuels and nuclear power, it would retrofit every building in America, home, office building, and otherwise. Oh, and it would provide a guaranteed secure income for all those who are unable or unwilling to work, which is rather striking. Uh, Uh, Unwilling is the word that's rather striking. I mean, unable, we get that. We're already doing that. But uh, unwilling? So let me tell you something. There are days when I'm unwilling to clean my house. Will she provide me with someone to, you know, come over here and clean it up? There are a lot of things people are unwilling to do. And what makes us do those things is the fact that if we don't do them, the consequences are, are so negative that we basically, we negotiate with ourselves. I don't feel like getting up and going to work today. I have a headache. You know, I feel like I've got water balloons behind my eyeballs, whatever the problem is, my shoulders hurt. But then I think if I don't work today, I don't get paid. Or I have committed to work today. I have people I'm going to interview on the show or, you know, whatever the, the case might be. It's a real negotiation with yourself. If you take away that negotiation and say, you're getting paid whether you go there or not, what is the impetus to get up and go at all? Really, and in addition to that, Elizabeth Warren has proposed two rather striking ideas to compete with her younger radical rivals. She's proposed a wealth tax, not a tax on people's income, however rich they are, but a tax on whatever they've been able to accumulate in their life special tax on their property, on their savings, on their assets, and so on. She would tax 2 to 3% of all, of they, all that they have uh, uh, every uh, year. So that would just keep nibbling away on whatever they've accomplished. The other is she wants a, an accountable capitalism act, as she calls it, that would take every major corporation in America and require them to serve not only their workers and shareholders, but also to serve what she calls stakeholders which means radical activists in the community, organized labor activists, all kinds of other people, most of them on the political left. She doesn't define exactly what this means, so the real effect of that law would be to say that politicians will determine whether you continue to have a government charter, which you would require big corporations to have. In other words, she's nationalizing every large corporation in America. By that law, she's saying, well, we can take this away from you because we think you didn't do enough for the radical activists in your community. And that, that's rather troubling. By the way, as we ponder the Bible, you look at two of the Ten Commandments. One is, thou shalt not steal. Another is, thou shalt not covet, which is to say envy and so on. Thou shalt mm-hmm. not covet thy neighbor's ox, nor thy neighbor's ass, nor thy neighbor's wife, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. You know, if you took those two things seriously, uh, Democrat politicians would have nothing to do. I mean, that's their whole political agenda. That other person it, it has is. more money than you do. Mm-hmm. He's wealthy. We're going to take it away from him and give it to you. That I mean, other person is want. white. That other person is skinny. That other person is heterosexual. That other person has kids that came from their biological body. You know, the, I mean, if you think about that, that other person thinks they understand what gender they are. We need to take that away from them and make them declare what pronouns they use. Do you see? I mean, it, they've gotten so good at taking from other people that they can even take things that 
previously we didn't know we could take other people's mental sanity, but now we're all participating in the insane rituals of the organized left as it pertains to their, their social ideas, the way we treat children, parents now declaring their kids X on their birth certificate so that uh, the child can decide later if they want to be a girl or a boy, regardless of what their body actually has on it, like the X and X chrom- chromosomes, X uh, and of course, Y. You're assuming they'll be lucky enough to get to a birth certificate. We now have New York and Virginia uh, promoting the idea of letting parents kill a baby even after it's born. Oh, yeah, exactly. Which is intriguing. African Americans, for instance, make up 12.5% of the U.S. population and yet they account for 25% of all the abortions done by Planned Parenthood. And the other day I saw a fascinating article at American Thinker that was arguing, why don't we give the mothers whose child is aborted a share of the profit from that? After all, Planned Parenthood not only sells the abortion and gets uh, millions of dollars, it had given $2 million, for example, in campaign donations to the governor of Virginia was all in favor of such abortions after birth. Mm. Um, but now we have this, this surreal situation where they, as we found out from people who were taping them secretly, they are buying luxury cars and so on with the money they sell, they make from selling the parts from the babies they have aborted mm-hmm. to various labs and so on. Why not let the mother, said this our author, uh, have half of the profit? from that. Why should only Planned Parenthood get rich from performing abortions, about a third of a million a year? What's frightening about what what that writer is suggesting is that if any Democrats get a whiff of it, which is highly unlikely because they don't read, you know, well, well laid out blogs and, and websites like American Thinker. But if they were ever to get a whiff of that, they would totally be on board with it because they would say that's reappropriating wealth from oppressors back to the women who really deserve it. And I, I, I know it sounds odd and crazy, but doesn't everything that we've just been discussing here sound odd and crazy and unbelievable? And, and oh, absolutely. This yeah. idea, for example, of a universal guaranteed income to everyone that's being experimented with in Chicago right now, being experimented with in Finland, being experimented with in Italy and so on, to see if people will be happy if they're just guaranteed an income for doing nothing at all. Now, this is an idea not just embraced by the left, strangely enough, But at the American Enterprise Institute, their libertarian scholar Charles Murray is in favor of it for the same reason that Milton Friedman understood. And that is about 85 cents out of every dollar that the government allocates to help the poor never gets to the poor. It gets eaten up by the bureaucracy in between, by the social workers, the $100,000 a year political appointees, and so on. So only a pittance of that ever gets to the poor. Uh, Charles Murray would say, we'll give more of that to the poor, but then let's eliminate those middlemen. Let's just get rid of the whole welfare bureaucracy that deliberately keeps people poor to keep its bureaucracy working. By the way, Craig Smith and I, you see Craig on every week on uh, Fox Business with Neil Cavuto. Uh, in our seventh book now out, Money, Morality, and the Machine, we talk about the politics behind this giving people free income and how it is planned, and how it's advocated by both Murray and people on the left. And you can get that book absolutely free. You don't have to give Jeff Bezos $20 for it at Amazon. All you need to do is call a toll-free number, 800-630-1492, like the year Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That's 800-630-1492. 
And we'll cover the postage, the cost of the book, everything. This is our Blues Brothers mission from God. We just want uh, for our children and grandchildren, everybody to be armed with information about just how they're manipulating us. Well, I think that's awesome that you're giving the book away for free. I'll post the number on uh, Facebook so people will be able to go there and get the number because invariably people will be messaging me in the middle of the night asking me what the number was. I haven't memorized it, but I'll definitely put it here on Facebook for people to get. Oh, um, thank so, you very much. Yeah, so the the... I think one of the things that, that is most disturbing about all of this is that it's a, it's a cancer that's infected every area of politics where Democrats are present, and they're present in all of the areas. Specifically, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the border wall negotiations, but we're seeing the same kind of perfidy that you're describing in all of these other areas where the Democrats are saying, we'll just, just give us the money and we'll give it to the people who need it, the poor people, the people who want to have abortions, everyone. They're in charge of all of that. It's a flaming dumpster fire, yet they still remain in charge. And now they're actually rolling back laws that make sense on immigration with this new bill that if the president signs it, yeah, he gets $1.375 billion for the wall, but he won't be able to build it because they're only allowing him to build it in the Rio Grande Valley sector, which is the most liberal part of the United States border with Mexico. And none of the officials, elected officials down there, will actually... Uh, allow wall to be built in their area. They've already declared that they don't want wall built there. So that's the only area he can use the money that's being allocated in this bill to build wall. Everywhere else where there are conservatives in charge, where they want wall, the president can't build there with the money that they're allocating. Well, it's a surreal exercise, no doubt about it. And I am, I'm a Californian. I'm about 50 miles from the border now as we speak. And to me, I'm in a state where one-third of all the uh, nation's welfare recipients live, where more than a quarter of all the illegal aliens live, where uh, tens and tens of thousands of people are in permanent poverty here, because, frankly, it's easier to live in poverty in a state like California than it is to earn money and pay the kind of horrific taxes that we have in this state. So we, we see bizarre politics on every and by the way, not only have we seen Elizabeth Warren and, and a lot of other liberals uh, sign on to this Green Deal that would take us back 150 years in technology and give free income to everyone, but uh, one of those who signed on was Senator Cory Booker. Cory Booker, a few days ago, was declaring himself a vegan, <laughs> saying he, he uh, says <laughs> meat eaters' days are numbered. Now, I think back, and yes, I know the liberals are planning a 163% tax on meat because they don't really want us to have choice about such things. But wasn't there a politician in the 20th century who was a vegan, a vegetarian? Oh, that's right. Adolf Hitler was a vegetarian. They they say that you are what you eat. And I guess if, if all Cory Booker eats are vegetables... It explains a great deal about his politics. Well, I actually know people who are vegetarians, not vegans, but vegetarians because health-wise, you know, they, they're, they're, for whatever reason, their body couldn't sustain continuing to eat meat, and so they are vegetarians. Well, but the I'm, ones I'm, that I'm, I'm obviously oh, I know. kidding about that. I know, my, but my, wife, my wife is a vegetarian, too. Yeah, but I'm, so... I'm making the point about that just to say that Um, even the most extreme things that they're advocating for, we can find people doing them logically, but that is the unique talent of the Democrats is to take something completely and utterly normal as a choice, like choosing to be a vegetarian, 
and to turn that into something that would be harmful because there are people out there who can't, their body doesn't process uh, the, the vegetables the way that the ve- people who can be vegetarians can. So that literally being a vegetarian would be a death sentence for them. And there are other people who they don't eat red meat anymore because their bodies can't process that form of protein and making them eat meat would be a death sentence for them, which is why all of us love living here because in America, we're free to decide if we want to be a vegetarian or a strictly you know red meat eater or whatever, pescatarian. All of these ideas by themselves if you can take it or leave it, they're not so bad. But when they become mandatory death sentences by the Democrats, that's when we run into huge problems. We're talking about stripping away every bit of prosperity we have in this country with this Green New Deal. Oh, sure. I should say after 44 years of marriage to a vegetarian, though, I too am a vegetarian. I just happen to be a lacto ovo fish fowlo carno vegetarian. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> wait a minute. Um <laughs> Lowell, that's not exactly a budget. You know what I think you're doing, which I love. I love it. I see this among older married couples too, um, especially married couples that we like. They're some of our favorites. Whatever the one spouse is doing, the other one totally approves of it, even if it's not their thing. And so they support it fully. It's almost as if they're the biggest supporter of that thing, even though they're not doing it. So when you say you're a vegetarian too, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I totally get it because your wife is one and the two of you are a match set. You're like well, I'm a so pair glad of What troubles me about liberals is, for example, they will spend a lot of time tearing down the statue of a slave owner who died 150 years ago, <laughs> and yet they are attempting to impose slavery on you and me, Stacy, every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. With massive taxes, massive regulations, and so on. They want to impose their political correctness, their puritanism on us. And, and the massive illegal immigration that's going on, because the, the 10% of the DUIs that are done by illegal aliens, if you cut all of the DUIs in this country by 10%, imagine how many people don't get killed on the roadway. Imagine how many families don't have to suffer through you know, the hospitalizations and the expense of nursing someone back to health after they've been hit by an illegal alien. There's so much that they're doing that's wrong and harmful to us, yet here we are. Just, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Uh, Lowell Ponte, thank you so much for joining the show today um, and, and for your wonderful writing. I put the link to the book for people to call on Facebook. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Always an honor to be on with you, Stacy. Thank <laughs> you for having the courage to be a beacon of light out there. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your writing and your work. We really, we need it here in this country. That was Lowell Ponte. We always love talking to him. Um, so, so, he's brilliant. He really has a grip on this stuff. We're going to be back with more right after these messages. Keep it here. it take to be a sports success and a team player here's pro football hall of fame coach tony dungy with today's uncommon moment hall of fame quarterback troy aikman is one of the most accomplished passers ever to play the game but aikman believes he never got to show what he was really made of his halfback emmett smith holds the record for most career rushing yards he's widely considered the greatest of all time That meant that the Cowboys' offense was balanced and didn't have to rely solely on their quarterback like the Dolphins relied on Dan Marino or the Packers relied on Brett Favre. 
But Aikman was humble enough to play to the best of his ability on every snap, even when he wasn't the one getting the glory. Sometimes, uncommon teamwork means helping others to shine brighter than yourself. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of Quiet Strength and the Uncommon Book Series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. There's a particular reason why there is a Back to God radio show. It was about four years ago, God called me out of the pulpit and said, Dexter, I need you to go tell my people it's time for them to get back to God. Back to my morals, back to my values. This is the thing that you're supposed to do simply because you belong to the Most High God. It's the least that you can do for a God that loves you the way that He does. Time to get back to God. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central on Urban Family Talk. Hi, friends. There's a new show in town on Urban Family Talk nightly, 7 p.m. Central. Join me, C.L. Bryan, as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. Nightly, the C.L. Bryan Show over Urban Family Talk, 7 p.m. I'm not so certain we have as much time as many of us think. It's high time for the body of Christ to return with a fire lit up under us to proclaiming the truth of God's word, to proclaim the truth of sin and repentance and not coming from a high lofty position, but telling the truth as such were some of us. We have to do that. We have to. But what happens is, and I, I call this first world problem, uh, we have this epidemic of churchianity in America to where we are far more accepted and far more willing to embrace the trappings of church life, even if they're void of the presence and power and fire of Christ. And I would say to you, just as the Bible says, that we can have a form of godliness while simultaneously, at the exact same time, deny the very power of the gospel. Of the gospel. Of the gospel. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Uh, or anywhere uh, in our country or the free world. Um, I, I think it was right for Democrat leaders to condemn those remarks. Um, but I think it's important that people that, that articulate anti-Semitic views are also held accountable. Uh, the Republican leadership was right uh, to uh, condemn uh, Stephen King's remarks and, and also to remove him from the committee. There were consequences to what he said. And uh, unless Representative Omar resigns from Congress, at minimum, Democrat leaders should remove her from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. I served on that committee for more than a decade, Andrea. I mean, one of the things that always united that committee was strong support for our relationship with Israel and a strong condemnation of anti-Semitism. So one of the things that I think Vice President Pence has so right there, speaking about Representative uh, Omar and her comments about Jewish people over and over and over again, she keeps waiting in. No sooner than she had apologized for her latest really horrible comment, she was retweeting um, a, a really negative Jewish trope about the appearance of Jewish people. It seems like whenever she apologizes or walks back a comment, she immediately goes in 
and makes a new one and as if to reinforce the idea that this is what she truly believes. Some of her Democratic colleagues have come out and said that she's a bright, shining star and she has a huge future with the Democrats, but she has to leave some of her old beliefs behind. In other words, we know she's anti-Semitic. We're just waiting on her to let it go so she can continue to play this game with us. But I say if, if people on our side have to lose their committee appointments, then why shouldn't she? If Steve King could say that Western worldview, you know, whatever, or Western civilization should be honored and he lost all of his committee appointments, then why shouldn't she? She should not be on prestigious, powerful committees holding these views. It's an attempt to validate anti it's an attempt to validate the hatred of Jewish people. And make no mistake about it, there is hatred of Jewish people in the Muslim community. Is it every single Muslim person? Of course not. But these are people who are dwelling in our midst in America who hate Jewish people. And Jews have a place in American society. It's undeniable. And this, you know, so it's, it's a building clash of civilizations. And we've brought it here to our shores. The Jewish people were here already. And then we decided to bring a whole bunch of Muslim people in. And I really don't care what anyone thinks about me just saying that. It's just logical. You don't move enemies into your house, do you? Do you you find people that hate you and then say, yeah, come on in and live with me and my kids and expect them to leave you and your kids alone? You sleep at night like a baby? Of course not. But that's what we're doing here in this country because of 9-11 or something like that because we were attacked. Ridiculous. So I, I would ask you also, I know I'm asking for a lot today, but stick with me. Go on Twitter and retweet. I tweeted the president, hey, POTUS, you must not sign that bill. Number one, no real wall. Number two, local officials have veto power over the wall. Number three, this bill contains a blatant amnesty for the worst cartel smugglers. Number four, more funding to manage and induce the invasion rather than than deter it. And five, doubling low-skilled workers. And uh, some people have uh, retweeted me, but, ah, you know, I don't know. I've had a few retweets, but I think we need more retweets than that. We, We need people to be aware of what, horror this is awful i just i'm i'm flabbergasted that it's as bad as it is i know the democrats are crafty and they 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 do a whole lot um oh and before i forget about it other news today is that amazon hq2 will not be going in in new york the people there thought the tax breaks that they negotiated as a part of deciding to put 20,000 high high paying jobs there they're they're not they're not feeling it the people of New York are like, no, nah, we, no, no thanks. So they're not going to put the HQ2 there. They are going to put one in Nashville and they're going to put one in, I think they said North Carolina, which smart, very smart. Those are two hot areas of the country right now. Nashville is experiencing an explosion of growth. They have no state tax in Tennessee. So you can go there and reduce your tax burden by however much you're paying in state tax now. You can reduce it by that amount by simply moving to Nashville. So if you can find a job there, um, it's one of the top 10 places to live, or at least it was. It's consistently on the top 10 cities to live in um, across the country. But I love Nashville because it's it's a big, small town. It's kind of like St. Louis, but it doesn't have the horrible reputation for crime. So um, they, they do have clashes. Like, you know, they have a, a, a lot of like racial clashes uh, at times in Nashville. But I lived there for a, a couple of years when I was younger. And it was, it's beautiful there. And they have good weather because they're a little bit further south than we are here in in the St. Louis metro area. 
And they have a nice cost of living. Now, I don't know how long that lasts with 80,000 people a month moving there, some kind of astronomical number like that. But whenever I'm there for work, I remember I was just there interviewing Art Laffer. And um, it was it was a rainy day, but it was still warm enough. And they do have a nice airport. I have to give them that. Their airport's really nice. Um, so you can get a nice home there for a very reasonable amount of money. And if you're an empty nester, then you're not worried about school districts. So you're just doing whatever you want. And then they have great colleges there. Belmont University is there. Uh, Vanderbilt University is there. So, you know, it's... It's a place people want to move to. You lower your tax burden. You have a cost of living that's reasonable. You have good weather. And it's south, but it's it's not like, you know, it's not further south than that. Because I've got nothing against the south. I, lo- I love the south. Um, I love the weather that southerners get to enjoy. I, it's kind of unfair that. So I've been talking about this, you know, amongst myself. You know, talk amongst yourselves, that whole thing. But I'm really suffering. I'm suffering because real winter is here and real winter. Um, it's more than I, I've, it's more than I've negotiated for. It's more than I bargained for. Uh, We've had four years of mild winters here in Missouri. And so the last time we had a winter like this was five years ago. And so I had someone mention that to me. I was somewhere complaining as I want to do. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a work in progress. The Lord is not finished with me. And I was somewhere complaining about this real winter. Because I've taken to cracking jokes about it because every time I go out and it's just biting cold, I'm like, what? where am I? Well, that's when a, a stranger, she was so cute. She said, you, you, do you realize the last time we had a winter like this was five years ago? We seem to be in a cycle. Every five years, we have one of these really awful winters. So the constellation is once this winter's over, we'll probably have a few mild winters after that. Doesn't that make you feel good? And I said, oh, God bless you. Thank you. That is such good news. She said, yeah, those last couple of weeks where we didn't see the sun. I said, yeah. I said, how did you fare? This is a stranger now. I'm telling you, I don't know this woman. She says, oh, I was, I was depressed. I felt myself going downhill. I said, yeah, me too. Me too. I felt myself. It was like I was going into a black hole and I couldn't get out. I hadn't seen the sun and I was depressed. I was cooking dinner for the family and then basically going to my bed, 6.30, 6.45. My husband came home from work one night. He smelled the food, which I know that, that has, it has to be a comfort because if I come home and someone's already cooked, because usually I'm the one cooking. So if I come home and someone's already cooked, Oh, it's like music to my nostrils. So I was upstairs getting ready to get in the bed. And he said, what, what's going on? Are you not feeling well? I said, I'm, I can't, I can't stay up. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I just can't seem to get going. He was like, oh, well, but it's 645. I said, I know, but I just, I'm going in. So sometimes I'll feel like that. Like, you know, every so often I'll feel like I need to go to bed early and I'll go get in the bed and I'll be in there. And then after a while of flipping and tossing and turning, I realize. I'm not really that tired. And so then, you know what, you know what happens. You turn the TV on or you get your phone or you get a book out. And before you know it, you're in there with the light on, sipping from your water bottle and, you know, you're awake. And so the next morning he told me, oh, how do you feel? I, I said, I'm feeling a little bit better, but I just wish the sun would come out. And he said, I came back up, you know, a couple hours after, you know, so it was like right before nine o'clock. And I came back up to see if you had kind of changed your mind about going to bed he said, you were in there sleeping hard like it was, you know, like it was midnight. I said, oh, I know, because I, I was honestly just, it just presses you down. It's called seasonal affective disorder. But oh my goodness, it was just a hot mess. And so, I don't know, I just, I, I just don't want this real winter every single winter. That's all I'm saying. I know I'm not in charge. I know I don't have anything that I can do to make the real winter not come next year. That's my hope, is that 
the lady is right that it's an every five year or so thing for us Missourians. I don't know what y'all going to do in the rest of the country, but I'm just talking about here. And I'm hoping that next year we'll have the mild winter we had last year that we'll have that this year. So it doesn't mean it doesn't snow. It just means it doesn't stick around for a month. We still have blocks of ice from where the people scraped the snow into piles. And, you know, the piles were like mounds of mountain. It looked like a cloud had landed on, on the, 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 the blacktop. Those, some of those piles are still there. Remember, it snowed like a month ago. So it's been weeks and that snow has not fully melted. It melts and then it gets super cold and it's icy as all get out. Like everywhere you, and, and we've had, can't, so church has been canceled twice. I mean, I can't even believe it because I've never, well, we haven't been going to our church for decades or anything, but I've, this is the first time I've ever seen that they've canceled church, but it was so icy that they weren't able to guarantee that people would be safe on the parking lot. So church was canceled. So I just don't, I'm just telling you people, whatever, whatever we can do, we have to be praying and fasting or what do we have to do to not have real winter next time? Not, not real winter. We want the mild winter we had before. I'm just putting that out there because I know we have prayer warriors in the listening audience and you guys are with me on this. I know you're with me. You don't want this real winter. You can't, you can't possibly. All right. So we were talking about, we came into this break with Vice President Pence talking about how at a minimum Democratic leaders should remove Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Well, Matthew Continetti from the award-winning Washington Free Beacon says that the anti-Semitism, the tweets, the comments, etc., are actually a serial offense for Omar. It's number four. This has become a serial offense for her, mm-hmm. right? She had that tweet about Israel hypnotizing right. the world. Look, it's what and it's not just her. It's, it's not just her. It's also Rashida yeah. Tlaib. It's also Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who praised Jeremy Corbyn, who right. is friendly to Hezbollah. This is a problem for the Democratic Party. You talk about consequences. The political consequences of the Democratic Party being associated with political anti-Semitism are huge. And Eugene's absolutely right. There's a battle that is just beginning within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And you look at what Mark Melman is doing. They have to fight this. And the fact that it's being imported is very disturbing uh, to, to members of the Jewish community. Hmm. Well, I think one of the things that we're seeing is that there's been a strain of anti-Semitism on the left in certain constituency groups that the Democrats protect. And now that those constituency groups have attained mass in certain areas, they're sending people who believe what they believe to Congress. This was what conservatives and Republicans and Christians have been warning about for the past 20 years. Large numbers of immigrants from countries that hate Jewish people, those immigrants will come here and not all of them will assimilate and begin to believe, as most of us do, that Jewish people are just like any other group of people. They're just people. Muslim people who are here, especially those recent immigrants, they hate the state of Israel and they hate Jewish people. Now, they do make a little bit of a delineation between Jews who are here in the United States who might be Democrats. They'll say, oh, I didn't mean to offend you, but Israel has hypnotized the world. Israel is full of people who have a certain shape of nose, et cetera, et cetera. These people, it's like they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. What they're saying is, you're not really Jewish because you don't believe the stuff that they believe. You, you actually think we should have a state called Palestine. That's why you're okay. But they don't. And we don't believe that they should exist. We still believe we should wipe them off the face of the earth, which is why it's good that you don't see them as a huge part of your identity, because we want you to join with us in wiping them off the face of the earth. And if we attain critical mass in Congress, we would reverse all of this 
Jew, you know, the Jewish democracy, the strongest democracy in the Middle East, our strongest ally in the Middle East, all of those people he named off, Tlaib and uh, Omar and even AOC, they would all advocate for a declaration that we don't have close ties to Israel. Our closest ally is the nation state of Palestine and that Israel should give up its entirety of nation state. Just go anywhere else you want to go to or allow us to wipe you off the face of the earth and we'll put Palestine there. We don't care anything about your holy sites or your history. We don't care about that. We're here to wipe you out. That's what those people believe. And if you think for one second that because there are only three of them, that it's not such a big deal, you don't understand how things work. How do you get $100? Well, unless you're a thief and you go out and steal it, you build $100 a dollar at a time. How do you build a dollar a penny at a time? How do they build a majority in Congress? Three at a time. They got three now. And they probably have others who believe as they do, but they just won't say anything because they don't have enough political cover. Once they get enough of them in there in Congress, then they will begin to, others who have the same radical ideas will begin to chirp up. Hey, you know what? I actually do believe that we should no longer have allies status with with Israel. And that's how they change things. So that's why it's of a concern to us that these three are out there saying these things. And I don't care that they had a resolution in Congress or that Nancy Pelosi said she shouldn't say those things. Forget about what they're saying. Have they stripped her of any committee appointments? No. That means they don't really care. That's the music. Thank you for being here today. God bless you from the heartland. Citizens, I will be back with you tomorrow. Have a great evening. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association. Urban Family Talk. Urban Family Talk.